Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hey, they still got your jerseys and all the Buffalo Wild Wings in Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I started charging them now. <laughs> all right, here we go. Lightning's money. We're, we're what's, all that, what's, all that, what's all that fake handwriting in the back, Sly? Like what, what he's trying to make yourself? Oh, yeah. I had the kids over Like educated? Oh, man, it's our fashion on Sundays at Sly House, so we had to be on the All right, we are live now here with the Great Ute Debate. And as you guys could already tell, this is a little bit of a snippet of what this broadcast is going to be like. Welcome into the Great Ute Debate, 2004 versus 2008. It is presented by University Federal Credit Union. I am your host, moderator, uh, trying to keep things clean around here, Trevor Allen. I am with KSL Sports. I'm the Ute Insider. And I am so excited to bring you guys this broadcast. It's something that uh, Sly was really the uh, backbone for it, but really a, a team effort for this. And let's just go ahead and bring in who is joining us today. You guys probably already know these guys, but I'll, I'll uh, bring them in anyway. So from the 2014, he was a running back for that team. Had 109 carries for 654 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> he was a Mountain West Conference honorable mention and also a All-Mountain West Conference second team in 2005. Spent five years in the NFL. Quinton Ganther, Q, what's up, man? Hey, what's up? Glad, glad to be here. That's my and then, teammate. And then his, his a teammate who's clapping right now. He is a guy who will for sure be in Canton, Ohio in years to come. He was an All-American at Utah, two-time Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Played 13 seasons in the NFL, just retired, and now a homeschool teacher, right, Eric Weddle? Yeah, just just trying to to get through the day and, uh, you know, just trying to be great, man. Stacking that resume, boy. <laughs> and then from uh, the uh, 2008 team, he threw for 2,972 yards, 27 touchdowns, nine picks in 2008. Woo-hoo! Most of the Mountain yeah. West Conference Offensive Player of the Year, first year. team selection. And the Sugar Bowl MVP quarterback, Ooh. Brian Johnson. BJ, how is it going? What's up, man? Appreciate you for having me on. <laughs> and then last, but certainly not least, his teammate who anchored that defense in 2008 had 69 tackles, three sacks. By the way, he well, he actually had three and a half sacks. Three of those sacks came against Alabama. Had two forced fumbles in 2008. Second team All-Mountain West. So, played five so seasons the, in the NFL. The rest of the season, he was really didn't – they didn't they really do much. Makes sense. That's what happened. That's what happened. So anchoring the defense, Stevenson, Sylvester, Sly, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. It's going good. Thanks for putting this together, Trevor. Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Talk about it for too long. Let's go, Eric. First off, 
I'm just going to ask you guys right now, because if the answers are what I think it's going to be, then we'll keep going. If it's different, then we're just going to end this thing. Which Utah football team is the greatest of all time? 08-04. BJ, you're on both teams. Which one? Oh, 2008. I was on both teams. So I guess we're going to continue on. All right. Tell me one memory of your guys' season, 2004, 2008, whichever one you were on, that we wouldn't know about from just watching those uh, football teams. Let's go ahead and start with Q. A memory that you guys wouldn't know that that was the hardest training camp I've ever been a part of in my life. It had me second guessing football. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. Okay, why? I was coming from a junior college, so I I had no idea what training camp was. So this was my first training camp ever. It was brutal. It was physical, but well worth it. All right, let's go with uh, BJ. Man, it's a bunch. It's a bunch of great memories. Um, you know, I, I probably say like from the games. The one of the games itself is the last drive against TCU. Um, that's something that kind of just sticks out of my mind. The fourth and five, outcut the Freddie Brown. Oh, um, yeah. to keep the keep the drive alive and and uh, and go beat the number ten team in the country at home. That was uh. That was something that was really special, and just you know, off the field, we we just had such a tight bond. And like I said, I enjoyed my entire collegiate experience, but just being able to uh, to build some of those relationships with people that that last a lifetime, you know, that's 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 really special. All right, Sly. Yeah, I think a lot of the same. There was a lot to be taken away from that whole season. Um, each play, each game. Um, it was it was different. It was close games. We had blowout, um, but what was consistent is our our, our preparation and um, how we entered each game. Was it felt like every single week was the same. So we knew that we were going to have the same output and performance, um, especially in the Sugar Bowl. You know, we were just so locked in and prepared that you know it's just like BJ said, just the camaraderie with that team, um, even off the field. Was, was huge. And so I think that's why we were successful in the end. And, you know, now we're having this debate. All right, Eric. Uh, geez. Like, it, like everyone said, I, I just think the, all of us have one thing in common amongst other things is, is just wanting to prove ourselves. And I can go on and on about just ruffling, uh, older guys' feathers, uh, just doing things my way and trying to compete at all times. And, you know, that's what separates the good and the great ones. And, and the way we competed, the way we got after in practice, it, it, it accumulated into success on the field, but that brotherhood and that bond, I mean, look at us, like we're still as close as ever. Mm -hmm. uh, And we're all parts of the country, but the minute we text each other or call each other, we pick up right away. And that's what, Really, ultimately, the game has brought to us is the relationships and the friendships that will last a lifetime is because the camps that you talked about, the, the struggles of that, the, the season, the ups and downs, the wins and losses, the close losses, the, the huge wins, like those things nobody can understand unless you were in, that, in there in the fire with each other. So uh, it's an amazing time watching the highlights. It, it brings back a lot of memories for sure. My next question, I'm going to pair these up by your guys' teams. So we'll, we'll start with the 2008 team and Brian Johnson. 
When did you know that the 2008 Utes was going to have a special season? When was that moment where you're like, this is going to be a special season for Utah football? Um, I think we all kind of knew it in training camp, you know, leading from the, it kind of was, it was a, you know, and I think in, this is kind of a similar case in, in both teams is that it was really a two-year process. Um, you know, just with the way, the way that we had finished the previous year, we had dealt with a bunch of injuries and lost like seven starters in the, 07 season um and everybody came back and we were healthy and we knew we were really deep um and had a ton of experience back and in, in playmakers so you know just in training camp the battles between you know our offense and defense it was so evenly matched and so back and forth each and every practice and practices got so competitive um you know between the offense and the defense because you know both sides of the ball we're, we're really evenly matched in terms of uh, having playmakers and experience and things like that. So once we got through training camp, um, you know, I think everybody kind of expected us to have a really, really good team. And, you know, we got, we were able, fortunate enough to get off to a great start and go beat Michigan uh, in the big house in an unbelievable environment, 110,000 people. Uh, and we kind of answered that challenge and then, you know, got the ball rolling. Uh, Sly? What would you say was the moment that you realized that that team was going to be special? It, uh, I'm with BJ. It was in the offseason. I thought it was even before training camp, you know, um, kind of at the end of the 2007 season. We kind of looked at how many guys left, what we had left over, um, and how we were training in that spring season. It was uh, I knew then that we had the opportunity to be undefeated. You know, that was the goal each and every year, of course. But as far as an actuality, I knew that was even before training camp, that we had that chance and we had the commitment. And then, as BJ said, once we got into training camp, you saw how in tune everybody was. That's how we automatically knew that, you know, there's absolutely no reason why we should lose. All right. I'll, I'll ask the same question for the uh, guys who played in 2004. We'll start with uh, Quinton Ganther. When did you feel like you guys were going to have a special season? You know, for me, it was a little different. I'm a, uh, Weta was there already. They had been there. Me, I was just coming in trying to contribute to make a stamp. So I was coming from junior college, so I didn't know, you know, what I was actually looking for, what I was actually getting myself into. I was just trying to be the person to – I was too busy worried about myself trying to get on the field. You know, when I came into training camp, I was like the fifth running back on the roster. You know, so I was I wasn't worried about how special it would be. I was worried about okay, how am I gonna chip away at being able to contribute on this football team? So that was for me. Even when we you know, when we beat BYU and everyone was so excited about going to the Fiesta Bowl, I was an inner city kid. I was lost. I I had no idea what was the big deal. I didn't know it was a BCS football game. Like I said, I was just trying to, you know, get myself in the door to make the contribution. All right, Eric. Uh, I think early on, I mean, the success we had in 03, we, we uh, channeled that into the off season and uh, into that 04 year. I, I, I didn't think we'd lose. So I, I think it probably came from that 03 season and finishing off in the bowl against Southern Miss. And, uh, I think it really gave everyone the confidence in the idea that we could do something special. And 
and we just carried it over. We had a lot of guys that played a lot of football. We were a veteran-laden team at that time and kind of led the way. What was your favorite play from that season that you made? I know I know you guys have plenty to pick from, but and you guys can even give me a couple of plays. Yeah, we, what, what, yeah, yeah, Sly, I mean, we, we could talk about yeah. your uh, sack against Alabama where you had that awesome dance or celebration that you had against Alabama. <laughs> can you do that for us right now? Relive yeah, yeah, the moment? Do it right now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, it's probably wallpaper on his phone. All right. <laughs> no, um, my favorite play from that season um, probably had to be TCU. You know, um, it just that that last drive after BJ and Freddie connected in the end zone, we took the lead. You know, TCU had uh, like less than a minute left. I had an interception in my hand and I dropped it. I thought that was my favorite play simply because, you know, Robert Johnson ended up making it, but like we were just there. Like, I don't know if outside you could feel the and emotion that was in that game. I know we were number 10 and 11 in the country, but it really felt like a top five matchup. TCU was a, a powerhouse. They were strong as crap. And just to know how we were, that whole last drive was probably uh, the best feeling to, to, to end it all and just uh, reliving that game of how it went between the couple of facts that we had and uh, the back and forth act. That game. I like tight games like that because uh, the psychology of football really comes out. It's like uh, playing chess and, and who made the right decisions when. So that 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 TCU game, that last drive of that TCU game was was probably the best for me. All right, let's go with uh, Quinton. Uh, what was your your favorite play from from the 2004 season? Uh, one of my favorite plays was uh, a run that I had against Air Force. I was and it, it was special to me because I was. Um, I wasn't getting a lot of playing time at, at the beginning of the game because Marty was getting a lot of playing time. And, and in my opinion, I felt like I was a much better back at the time. And, you know, what they gave me a play. I got my first or second carry, and I ran like three guys over and just kept going just <laughs> to stay like, hey, don't, I, I'm here. You know, don't forget about me. So that was one of my favorite plays because I was making a statement like, hey, I'm the guy. I'm, I'm really the guy. You know, so that stood out to me. Because I was always fighting. That run against BYU and you killed that kid. That's, oh, that's man. Crazy. You ran a smooth over. <laughs> that, that was 05. That was the next year, though. Was it? Oh, that was the next year, yeah. Those games, all the wins, you know, they wrap together. We have to, we've had so many. All the wins. <laughs> uh, for me, it wasn't a play that I made, but – it was against BYU, and it was a tight, close, kind of what somewhat close game. And it was when Alex, they did the option to the right, and he pitched it to Savoy. 98, 98 yards to survive. Right yeah. up the sideline, and, and that kind of like – I can't – I don't remember, remember what, what point of the game it was, it was but it just – it just on X hop, eight speed. There you go. Goodness. See? So – uh, that. The whole playbook. Yeah. <laughs> I called that. I told him to run it. <laughs> So just knowing, seeing that play and then the emotion, you could finally, like, come down a second, feel the, the energy from the fans, and you kind of knew we were on the way to, to breaking the BCS. So that was that was a play that stuck out for me from that game and that season because we didn't have really many close games. So uh, no really uh, strenuous pressure-packed moments other than, you know, first half close game against BYU and then 
it was a wrap from there. All right, BJ, it sounds like you've got a plenty of plays to pick from since you know the entire playbook and There's what was so called. Many. What was, what so was your many. favorite play from that 2008 season? It's hard to break down just like to one play, but um, I'll break down a moment. And I, probably the, the one of my the best moment was um, at Air Force in 2008. We played at Air Force and we did not play well in the first half. Uh, I didn't play well in particular at all in the first half. And we came out of halftime, and then we were just – we went on a run that second half. It was like eight for nine, nine for nine, something like that, and and really did miss and got into a great groove. And we ran we ran an option play to the left for the game winner, like out of a goal line set. And, you know, just like pitching it blind to D-Mac because um, the DN ran straight up the field. And so I was able to kind of get underneath them and pitch it to D-Mac for the game winner. That was cool just because those Air Force those Air Force games were always like just really physical and really tough. And just you never knew how games like that against an option team uh, would manifest because you were just so limited in how many possessions you potentially got. So um, that was that was a really cool moment. And then the other one is probably, you know, my, my favorite just technical play was we we uh, we threw like a post wheel combination against Alabama against the look that we practiced. He had, off, he had press on one, off on two, and we just tried to inside release it and, and create a pick. And the DB ran over the top and I ripped the back shoulder seam. And this was, you know, when people first started probably throwing back shoulder fades and stuff like that. So I threw kind of a back shoulder uh, to Braden Godfrey on the wheel route for, for our second touchdown. And uh, that play probably sticks out just from a technical standpoint because it's something that that we that we kind of worked on and, and just developed throughout the course of the years, being able to to throw that type of ball. I thought you was going to talk about Oregon State to come back against Oregon State. How you orchestrated that? That was a moment. I thought that was how my how went to uh no, but that's that's the debate we of all these comebacks. We ain't had these issues. Uh, <laughs> I was actually going to bring that up. Every I was actually going to bring that up. Team y'all play, y'all didn't play a team that had <laughs> less than five losses. I, I don't remember. We just played who was on the schedule. <laughs> and that was funny. Every team. Oh, man. Don't get me started on that. The best team we beat in 04 had seven wins, bro. I will say that the whole difference, you know, playing the Falcons, both teams can talk about this because the uh, team that, that Weddle and, and Quinton played on, you guys dominated every single team. You won every single game by at least two touchdowns. The uh, smallest margin of victory was against the Falcons, where you guys only won by two touchdowns. You guys only won by seven in 2008. What was it about the Air Force teams that was so hard to, to get by? I, I guess I'll open it up to anybody. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they're, they're so unconventional to what you play all season, so you're trying to get ready to go over an, a different scheme, defensively different rules for for one game and you're practicing for three practices and going against the speed of the scout team that half of them don't know what they're doing. And you're trying to remember what your three rules are on three plays that we have. And it's just a, an adjustment. And then conversely on offense, you may not, you, you get 12 to 15 possessions, maybe more in college. I don't know. But now you're looking at 10 or eight against the air force. Like that's the discrepancy because they hold the ball for so long. That if you don't, if you don't make your your drives count on offense, and you can get put in a hole big time, and, and it's tough to come back. 
no, yeah. no question. And, and part of it too is technically how do you as a coach, how do you want to play that game or how do you, you know, what's your what's your strategy? Because there's really two schools of thought in terms of how you play them offensively and knowing that you're going to get limited possessions. Do you want to go fast and try to light it up? Uh, or do you want to control the tempo and, you know, try to get your defense defense rest? Um, you know, and I think you see I think you see that play out just anytime you play an option team with your possessions being so limited. How do you initially uh, how do you want to strategize against being limited in your possessions? So IQ, would you guys like to add to that? Uh, for me, playing against Air Force, it's uh, you know they're military sports. So they're just they're just so disciplined in what they do. So that makes that that means that we just can't have a mistake. You take a wrong step, you go right instead of going left, you're beat. And they can uh, change that whole. Quinton knows how you give them a little bit of space. I squeeze through that, and you know the Air Force guys, they're tiny, tough, and if they get. They're the best in the country at what they do. Average 350 plus rushing yards per game. So uh, it's, it's how you know the clock. And so that's just what they did. And they were just, they're tough no matter what. Yeah. They were. Like, just like what we were always, you know, the Utah way, we were always built on on toughness. You know, one of Coach Wood's deal is hey, don't be a tough dummy. You know, don't be a tough. <laughs> You know, so so we were built. Company. So that's that's kind of you know got us through a lot of games, and you know sometimes we can we're, we're tough to the point that we'll have teams they'll tap out they'll quit, but with Air Force you know in the academy those guys are built off of tough toughness and discipline as well. So there's never any quitting those guys, and like these guys said, the limited possessions that you have in those games as an offense. You know, you can't put your defense in bad situations going three and outs. So, you know, it's it's, it's, it's tricky on how you want to attack their defenses because you put your defense in, in a hole by going three and outs. I have a question that is just uh, pointed towards uh, Eric and Aq. I know some people out there felt like that you guys got gypped by who you, who you guys had to play in that bowl game playing Pitt compared to what, you know, Sly and, and BJ had to play in, in that Sugar Bowl. Did you guys feel slighted at all, or were you guys just more worried about just going out there and dominating and trying to bust the BCS? Yeah, I mean, uh, we were hoping for was it? Well, Auburn, at, Auburn at that time. Yeah. Because uh, USC played Oklahoma, I think. Yep. And then, yeah, so there were three undefeated teams, and it didn't work out that – that it happened that way. So we're a little bit so excited just to get there and to finish it off. But that is the only factor in a lot of these arguments that they did play better teams and you can't, you can't deny that, you know, everyone on our schedule, but when it comes down to it, like their, their resume looks a little bit better than ours. Hugh, did you feel a little slighted when you guys had to play pit or were you just focused on, on the uh, task at hand? Well, I mean, we, we wanted to play Auburn. That's what we wanted because we wanted to make a statement to the country. You know, so we were we were up for that challenge. That was one thing about that team is we wanted the best. And we felt like Auburn was the best, one of the best teams in the country. We didn't feel like Pitt was one of the best. So we just made it our thing that, okay, since we got Pitt, we can't control it. We'll go out and show that these guys shouldn't be on the same field as us. And that's mm-hmm. what we did. We made it personal to make a statement like, you should not have sent these guys here. They're not ready. 
And you guys definitely did put that statement out there. Now, uh, something I want to ask you that is a little off topic from your guys' playing days in college, but uh, playing in the National Football League. Someone brought this up to me, and I thought it was a pretty good point about the longevity of the Utah football players playing in the NFL. You uh, see a lot of the Mountain West guys of what you guys played in staying in the league for years and years, like Eric, you know, for over a decade and a lot of you guys playing at least five years and, and things like that. But then you're, you're seeing these uh, Pac-12 guys from Utah getting drafted, but they're not sticking in, in the league as long as, you know, the Mountain West guys have it. Do you guys, do you guys see anything with that or, or is it just the way the league is now? Man, you don't want me to be honest. What <laughs> <laughs> you about to say? Hey, kids nowadays is pampered. Yeah. <laughs> about the training camp that he went through, they don't go through the same training camp they used to. It, it was, oh man, I don't, I don't let one of them go. <laughs> I'll put it in terms for Q. It's it. It was different for us back in the day for, with training camp, with how hard practices were. I mean. Imagine doing two padded practices every day for six days straight, where now you can only go two, uh, one padded practice a day, and then you can only practice twice every other day. Uh, so it's – I don't even think that – last year we, we would just be once a day. It was no, yeah, it was, yeah, it was no yeah. no two-a-days now. No two-a-days. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's – it's, I, don't, I don't really know compared to other teams. I just know, like, for us and the Utes, like, how we train and how we're kind of wired, like, we're just ready to go rock when we get in the league. Like, we're not we're not scared. We're not intimidated. We feel like we're prepared physically and mentally. So the schemes that we run, I feel like we're ahead of the curve uh, acclimating to the to the NFL because we run a defensive scheme with terminology, with the – with what we're doing schematically and offensively, I mean, obviously we're ahead of the curve at that time, back, way back when. It's it's obviously taken to another step, but, you know, 15 years later. Uh, but I, I just think it was it was just a different era. And, and the amount of hitting and practicing you do back then, you're, you're, you're preparing yourself for car accidents every time you hit. So if you're not, if you're not preparing your body for that, uh, your your likelihood to get injured more often. So uh, it, I'm sure a study will come out the pre CBA after CBA and and and, and moving and, forward. And I and I know something that stick out to me is is how these guys are treated now. These guys feel entitled to everything. Yeah. That building that they walk in every day, we built that building. You know, and they feel like they deserve it. Right. I remember. I mean, they got big cafeterias. They get to get two, three meals a day. Yeah. I a time, no, this, this is this is serious. I remember a time when Weddle wouldn't get meals because he preferred to have more money in his check so that he can take care of him and his woman. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So he deferred to give his meals away. Now these guys are getting big checks. They're getting fed as much as they want to, and and they feel like just because they're there, they're, this is what they supposed to get nothing is earned anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to piggyback off that, like it's the whole thought of like a scholarship coming out of high school was like, that that's like the dream come true. Like never thought that, you know, I'm, I'm playing football because I got a scholarship to pay for my education that that $40,000 a year. Like, where is that going to come from? I, I get to go to school for football. So I think kids nowadays that they're getting put on TV in high school and 
all this other stuff that they get to college and they're like, I'm a man. Like, this is, this is what it is. I should get paid. I need to do this. I need to do that. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let, let's settle down here a second. Like, the game is, is, is special. Like, you have to work for it. You have to do the things necessary to, to, to be successful. And I don't know, the times have changed, but that's the way it is now. So it's, it's up to us old guys to change more so than everybody else. Story time with Weddle. I love it. Yeah, hey, keep it going. <laughs> Gotta give a uh, shout out to Marquise and uh, Mike Wright. What's up, guys? Yeah, I was gonna ask Sly if, if you actually saw the uh, comment because I noticed as Weddle was talking, Sly had like that that look like, "How dare you?" Because um, he says, "Dang, Sly needs to shave quarantine, doing him dirty." <laughs> is it? Yeah, huh? can we see the comments on this thing or no? The live uh, comments. You just put. Oh. Right. Mikey, right. <laughs> that one right there. There you for go. You guys. Uh, hey, man. I see you. Ain't nobody want to talk about Q. Q looks good. He flies. I wish Big Con was here right now. He told me. Man. My guy, Big Con. Something that uh, further go into this debate is as to which team is the best of all time. Let's just figure it out. If, if they were to line up against each other, uh, your guys' team, so it would be 2004 offense, 2008 defense, and and the other way around. Let's go ahead and start because I know I know Sly's antsy here. Sly's defense going up against Q's offense. So first, Sly, tell us some of the weapons you guys have. We already know Mike Mike Wright was was uh, next to you on that defense, but you guys had a pretty stacked D line. We did. Do you want me to go into what I think about? You know the '04 offense, or right too. So, so first, tell us the weapons you guys had and, and the playmakers, and then you know how how you guys would do against an offense like like 2004. I think the the best thing that we did in 2008 was switch from you know the traditional four three, um, you know two defensive tackles, two DNs to going straight four DN. And we ended up having Derek Shelby and Greg Newman uh, with our two DNs play interior. They were a little smaller, but they were so quick that the interior linemen, it messed it up. So it didn't matter whether you were running the ball or passing the ball. Those guys were pretty stout. And we're, we were so quick on defense that, you know, what does with the powerhouse running, you really couldn't do that because we were so quick to get around things. We would uh, play through defense. We stacked the box because Joe Dell was so good at coming down into the box and being that extra defender that we would clog everything. And when, once you bounce cue, Joe Dell got you instantly. No matter Be right or left, Joe Dell was there. <laughs> Believe that. Um, I love safeties. They, they, they get meals. Hey, man. <laughs> A tackle, a tackle, a tackle, a tackle. They'll tell you shoelace or a stick up. It's all good. You <laughs> um, ain't over here somewhere. On 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 OA team, man, we we just had talent all all across the board. You know, of course, our two interior players, Shelby and Greg Newman, were great. But I mean, you guys knew we had Cole Misi and, and Paul Kruger, who both had insane NFL careers as well. Um, those guys coming off the edge, and BJ, I tell you. Koa just put his face on anything. Like, Koa did not care. So that guy hit everybody, anything, and he was just – he was flying all around the field all the time. And then you had me, Mike Wright, Keppa, Nye, rotating in at linebacker. It was – we we were pretty stout on the front seven. And then our our DBs, we had a deep DB section. 
We had Bryce and Sean, Sean, six, four corners. So we put him right over Savoy and, you know, knock that down real quick. Uh, we would double team P-Dub because he plays so many different positions in the 0-4 team. Um, we locked that down because we had Terrell Cole that came in with safety nickel combination. <laughs> um, I'm <laughs> gonna, gonna show you guys this, this just, comment. You guys all know who Scott he just is. Got in. Uh, <laughs> Murph, good, good old buddy Sean O'Connell. What's up, Murph? <laughs> so he, he he doesn't think that that a Mike Wright could uh, lock anybody down on, on the 04 team. I'm wondering, uh, let's see. And then Mike comments here right after, before he, he got my boy Robert Johnson. Q would have ended that boy's career early. Um, you guys have anything to say to that, Q? We stacked the box. We actually had a chance to do that. Uh, when I was in Seattle, we played Tennessee when uh, Robert was on, on the Titans and – Tennessee's DB coach came up to me before the game and said, kill them, kill them all, run them over. I want you to run through their face. So me, and, so, me and, so me and Rob had that that battle before, and I swear I've never seen a man so, so quick to dive at some ankles in my life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what I said. Tackle, tackle. <laughs> so we had that. Well, that was, uh, that was I want to say, 2010 maybe. 2010. Yeah. Hey, man. But I mean, for the 018, uh, we just did a great job with being able to lock down with Bryce McCain and Sean. And uh, we stacked the box. So we made you go over the top, which you guys seen a lot in the OA season with, with teams like TCU and, and um, BYU. They tried to go over the top, but Robert Johnson was so good in the in the post that he tried to go over the top. So we forced everything outside just like what I was trying to do uh, in, in that scenario. And we make everything go over the top and we had that covered. So um, that's, I mean, our, we just had talent across the board, man. And it was, it was really, really awesome. How would you guys stack up against who's uh, offense in 2004? Man, I've been thinking about it ever since we were putting this together. Um, you know, looking at 04 tape, looking at their personnel and how they ran the offense and, how often they were in empty and how often we would check out of the blitz we were in and, 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 and go um, five under three deep and, and how we have a three-man rush. Um, you know, how athletic Alex was. Alex was what? The third leading rusher on your team. So um, just knowing that we have great DNs that were relentless like Koa and Paul, uh, we wouldn't make that as easy as Alex had it, I felt like. You know, I don't think he faced athletic. Um, Paul and Koa was. So um, I think it would be tight because the 04 offense had a lot of weapons. You know, Madsen came in, you had Latondras, um, and those are your, your third and fourth receivers. But um, I mean, our first game plan would definitely be taking away Paris Warren um, and, and what he does and having somebody track him across the field and just knowing where he's at, you know, from doing bubble screens to uh, finding that mismatch on the, on the, on the third defender. Whoever was uh, defending the slot, that's where he lived. I've seen so many passes from that 04 season of Paris Warren over the middle. And that's what's hard is finding receivers that are comfortable with, you know, getting ball delivered to them over the middle. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I think that that matchup would be amazing if we could actually play that out. Probably not going to be able to play it nowadays, right? 
<laughs> All right, Q, I'll go ahead and turn it over to you now. Talk about, you know, I mean, Sly, you know, mentioned some of the weapons, but just how dynamic your guys' offense was. You guys averaged so many yards per game and and just really able to put points up on the board. I mean, you guys outscored your guys' opponents 544 to 234. So you guys put that many points up on the board and just dominated every game. And, and, and mainly one thing that Sly mentioned was, was Alex was so good and so efficient with the offense. Like Sly was coming off of the edge. Um, we forced teams really not to blitz us because if, if you blitzed us, you know, Alex made you pay for that, you know, and that was, that was a big deal. So teams couldn't blitz us because if you blitz us, you're leaving something vacant. And, and it's, and it's like a 98% chance he's going to find the vacancy, um, you know, with, you know, the receivers that we did have, we had, uh, you know, he mentioned them all, you know, uh, from LT to Mad Dog to Paris to Savoy. And what, what what brought so much value to what Paris was, was he was fearless. Like he would go catch balls across the middle. He was a great option route runner. You know, it was, um, then you, you know, the two backs, you had me, Marty in the backfield, I mean, and then, you know, we, we, we start running the triple because, ops, I mean, because Alex was a, a viable threat to run it or pass it. I just think you, it was hard game planning. Like you didn't get stacked boxes. You didn't get different things that teams do to offenses now because want to be run heavy or want to be pass heavy. You really had no, you really had no idea what was going to happen because it was so versatile and so many guys that can make plays at any given moment. It just seems like, you know, just a really physical defense with an offense that could do basically everything. Yeah. It would be really entertaining to watch this. Now, we'll go ahead and, and go to the flip side of that now. We'll move over to uh, Brian Johnson to talk about the uh, 08 offense and just some of the weapons you guys had and, and what made you guys so so special on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I think the biggest thing that, that made us hard to defend, well, first off, it's just understanding that the game of football is each game is his own separate entity. Each season is his own separate entity. Um, and then playing to our strengths, you know, playing to the strengths of the team. I think obviously one of the strengths of us offensively is that uh, at that time we were very balanced in terms of every one of our perimeter players could make plays and you had to defend everyone. Um, you know, I think once we started, to kind of implement, like I said, and, and, and you're talking about a period of time where the game of football started to change philosophically. So, you know, once we got into situations where we started to speed the game up and, and go into no huddle situations where we could play play a little bit faster, um, that really played into our strengths because, it, like I said, every every perimeter player was was capable of uh, of making something happen. So. You know, I think the last four or five games of the season, once we started doing that, you know, you saw a ton of production uh, and make us really hard to defend. But at the same time, you know, you play to the, the, the strengths of your team. And if you go back and you look at that at that uh, highlight against Alabama, there's a ton of NFL players on the field. So, um, you know, we had a great defense. And, you know, we tried to, we tried to really shorten games and make sure uh, – that we didn't put those guys in bad situations and and, and let them uh, do their deal. All right, Eric, you guys had a lot of playmakers on that uh, defense in 2004. Just talk about what what you got your guys's mission and and what you guys 
were uh, trying to do throughout that whole year where you guys were really dominant, just, just like the offense was, you know, on offense, you guys were really dominant on defense as well. Yeah. I mean, we had a, we had a great, great group of, of men uh, and led by a great coach. So uh, we were really stout up front with Sione and, you know, Steve Fafita and then our edges. I mean, you weren't running the ball against us was, was going to be a tough challenge uh, for the 018. And, you know, our skill guys on the back end, you know, we, we, we played well together. I mean, we were, we were a good group. Uh, you know, the pressure packages and all this, all this stuff, you can go in and out. Honestly, I think it would, what it would come down to uh, for the teams that match up against each other. I, I think early on our defense would struggle initially with the tempo with the formations, with the matchups, they would have some success, uh, and then we'd make some adjustments and try to try to uh, counterbalance that. But their defense, they, I mean, you talk about their secondary. Four guys started in the NFL for a number of years from the 018, right? And that's not even talking about uh, Cole Misi and who's the other end slide? Paul Kruger. Paul Kruger, and then yourself. So. They had a lot of talented guys on that defense. And uh, were they a better defense than our defense? Who, who really knows? Were they, did they have a lot of talented guys that played the next level? Obviously, they had more than, than our team. But the deciding factor for me would be that, you know, eventually I think Alex would, would make some plays. Uh, I think they're two balanced teams with a lot of great players and it would be a definitely uh, a fun game to play right here murph uh brings it in uh I, he, he has to do his pac-12 show but he wanted to hear uh tell him how many 2004 guys and 2008 guys would have been youth starters in the pac-12 all of them i i, I agree with you i think all of us i i go to all the games so i know firsthand yeah um yeah but you got i mean yeah yes I think that was part of our beauty was that ultimately everybody everybody on both of those two teams were very under recruit chip on their shoulder. Yeah, I don't think every player, every starter from those teams would have started now. I mean, we not all of them were great on those teams. So no. we had a good mixture of some some good players, some great players, and that's what made those teams so special. I mean, but uh, I think all five of us, four of us would. But, yeah, and you can go down the line. I mean, and, and go yes and no, but a lot of guys would transfer over, for sure. Okay, all right. So uh, to just kind of put a wrap on on this part of it, BJ, how would you guys fare on offense against Edub's defense? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be a solid matchup. You know, for us, I mean, I think we, you know, they were they were very stout in the middle, but we were we were stout in the middle as well with Khan and Zane and, and Caleb. And then I think we had really good edges with with Zane and uh, Zane and Big Red on our edges. So I think we matched up in terms of personnel. Um, you know, I think we just it would just depend on what type of game we tried to make it. Uh, you know, I think truly our strength was being an empty team. Uh, you know, and and being a spread, no huddle, fast tempo, get the ball out of your hands type team and really wear out the defenses that way as opposed to more of a grinded out physical tough in your face downhill run game. 
I think that, you know, I think playing, playing a more loose style like we did the last three or four games of the season where we really uh, put up some ridiculous offensive numbers was probably best suited for that particular team. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, yeah, they, they have some, some great players on that team too, but I think just, just in terms of just finding matchups and, and creating different one-on-one scenarios because we really had uh, six receivers that could, that could go and could do anything with it from Brent Castile to uh, Braden Godfrey, Freddie Brown, right? Uh, Jeremy Brooks, David Reed. So, I mean, we had a bunch of guys that can make plays and, and do things with the ball. So, um, it will be it will be a good matchup, you know, one that will be debated, I think, in Utah history for a long time. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't know if there is a right answer, but um, you know, both teams were, were exceptional. E-Dub, how would you guys do against that uh, offense? Yeah, yeah, I – I think I put the score at like, I don't know, 31, 27, <laughs> us. <laughs> oh, wait, I think, I think, you know, I already said most of it, but it's just amazing that we've had two teams to have the success we did. And it's fun to kind of put ourselves in the position uh, of how we would stop the other team. Uh, I think we would have a great plan, but you know, BJ, the second half of the year, really, really played at a high level. And like I said, in 04, we weren't accustomed to the teams that spread it out in up-tempo at that time. And I'm not saying that Coach Wood wouldn't have a plan after a couple of series and make some adjustments to get us in the right spot, but that still could be 10, 14 points. We're down, and uh, you have to account into the, those factors. But two cool, two cool stories I'd like to share okay. is the first – it, that 08 season, I was in the league. This was my second year, I, I believe. And yeah. every game, I would text BJ, like, play, play <laughs> by play. And, and every play, whether it was good or yes. bad, bad, I would give him my opinion on what we were doing, calling out the calls, what what are we thinking, halftime adjustments. And literally after every game, he would text me back and go through the majority of the texts. And I just, like – that was like the highlight of my season in the NFL because the season in the NFL is just different. Like it's, you, yeah. you get some, you get some great things out of it, but it's nothing like the relationships you have in college. So I still felt like I was a part of that team. And I felt like, like I was uh, in the moment with BJ and, and making, you know, emotionally. And then the second one was, For sure. I you get, talked, you get back to games, 200 text messages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get the week of the the Sugar Bowl, and I'm talking to BJ. Obviously, I, I I was talking to him all season, and he was telling me all week. He's like, "Eric, we are gonna run these guys into the ground." I'm like, "I'm like BJ for real. Like, don't be messing with me." He's like, "There, we got a great plan. They can't match up with them. We're gonna go up tempo." And I was like, "Are you for real? For real?" He's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Okay." So I went back to my team, and I bet everybody. On the entire team, and I came away with I think like thirty five hundred dollars, <laughs> amazing money for me at the time. And uh, I took everyone because everyone was like Utah, no, no, they they don't got it. this is Alabama, Alabama, this Alabama. I was like, okay, I got inside info, and I didn't say nothing until after the game. I said, I told y'all, you should have listened to me. Hey, so hey, you should have seen the line at my locker. <laughs> <laughs> Got them boys paid. <laughs> Got them paid. Oh, yeah. So it, it was. It was. Uh, 
it was a fun year to follow and to be intimate with that team and uh, to still be close. I mean, this is this is what the, the Utah family is. And I think it, it gets brushed aside a lot, a lot of times when guys are going through schools that this school can bring a lot more than just what you do on the playing field. We're going to wrap up here with just a couple of uh, fan questions because I know I've already taken up enough of your guys' time. Um, this one comes in from Ian Hawkins. He's asking, Edub, are you thinking of going into coaching? As of right now, no. Uh, <laughs> I want to. I want to enjoy retirement, and I've, I've I've sacrificed a lot over the last thirteen years and dating back to college. So I want to be there for my kids, be at home, not miss anything, not have everything scheduled around what my football season is, you know, am I going to be home for Thanksgiving? Am I going to be home for Christmas? Am I going to be home for Halloween? You know, New Year's, am I going to be home? Like, that's what we base our life on for the last 13 years. So uh, I, not anytime soon. And when I get the itch to do something, I'm sure opportunities arise and, you know, we'll take it as they come. All right. And then another question, uh, I guess this could be for all of you guys. What is Utah you know? known for? Paris huh? Warren in the building. Oh, Paris Warren. <laughs> oh, there you go. One of the all-time greats. Um, all right, so uh, let's see. Let's go through another question here uh, from Brett Johnson. What is Utah known for in the NFL? I guess the reputation of Utah football to the guys in the NFL. I have no idea. Well, I, I do. <laughs> I sure well, ain't got no idea. I couldn't tell you, brother. I talked to uh, a lot of a lot of uh, uh, scouts, um, but we were what we were known for is guys that come in ready to play. You know, mm-hmm. you got the Utah player. You know, you don't have to put as much work and time into them. They're more polished than other players are in the league. I remember at one point in Tennessee, we had drafted more Utah players than any other school at one point. You know, they draft Utah players because they kind of know what they were going to get. Now, these Utah players these days, they're kind of fizzling out. So I don't I don't I don't know what the you know what the word is now. Well there were seven youths who were drafted in this last draft, so probably something to say about those guys. Yeah, but. I, I think that we're you guys that come out from our program are coached hard. And they're accountable and and they're talented players that you can like you said that you can move right in and they can transition easy or easier than than some most guys so uh i think we're tough we're smart uh obviously talented you don't play in the league if you're not talented and you're coached up well i think we have amazing coaches at the u dating back to 04 all the way to now i mean the way the guys coach these players up and how well they play is really a credit to Coach Witt, to Scally, to Ludwig, and all the assistant coaches that put their uh, put everything they got into these players. I mean, that's what I love about the program. It's it's a, definitely a close knit group, and they push us to the to the fullest. Well, guys, you guys have uh, given me an hour and plus of your time. I really do appreciate this. This has been awesome. Do you guys have any final words? I mean, did we settle this? No. Who was the best team? No. No? No. <laughs> I, guess, I guess if it actually works for Kobe and Shaq, Stockton and Malone, I guess we can have two number ones, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, for sure. No, is, is, there, just, is there any last things you guys want to say? I love even being able to have this conversation, man. This is It's just 
it's awesome. You know, me even looking at film at, as far as how we would match up, how we would defend certain players on the 04 squad. Um, I, I would just be, I'd be even more excited than I was playing Alabama to play the 014. Um, you know, they, they just had so many weapons. I mean, it's very rare to have, especially back in the 04 days, to have a two running back system where that was as effective as as Q and Marty was. And then um, having four or five receivers that they can alternate and, and have sure-handed receivers. Um, I think the 08 team, uh, our veteran offense, we had so many seniors on the offensive side contributing and, and leading that offense and uh, – because we had two, two seniors like that. I think it was Greg Newman and um, Bryce McCain was our two seniors. So we were young, hungry, and um, had a lot of experience. Um, but, you know, it's, it's having this conversation. is amazing. And I uh, appreciate all of you guys for jumping on and, and uh, sharing your, your stories. Anybody else? I've said all right. Hey, well, guys. <laughs> it's all, all good. Thank you, guys. Yeah. You guys hey, it's been guys. awesome. Thank you guys for jumping on. And, uh, you know, I, I know you guys are all proud, you know, to, to rep the U. And, uh, Brian, we'll be seeing you in a couple of years down in Gainesville. Hey, P-Dub, yeah, sure. middle, it's over. Hey, hey, them gators coming. Hey, we coming in 22 now. We're going to be in Rice-Eccles. All right. <laughs> oh, come through. We're in 22. <laughs> you right, going to wear that Utah shirt underneath your gator gear or what, bro? <laughs> I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big decision for you. You got a lot of guys that you are close with. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys. Thank you All again right. for jumping on. I truly do appreciate it. All right. All right. All right. And, and that will do it for this uh, edition of the, of the Great Ute Debate. I'm hoping that we uh, at least answered some questions. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. KSLSports.com. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.